The reading will be taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. The birth of Jesus Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And the reading is continuing in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. The shepherd and the angels. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Well, let me wish you all a, a very happy Christmas. I, I uh, love Christmas, everything about it, um, and not least of all the surprises of Christmas. And let's face it, Christmas is full of surprises. Um, it's surprising how much we eat at Christmas. Uh, we spend the whole year satisfied with meat and two veg, and then suddenly it's Christmas, it's uh, four meat and eight veg, please. That's a surprise. And it's a surprise if the Christmas cracker jokes are funny. It's a surprise when there aren't any arguments between the relatives. And then there's the presents, one glorious surprise after another, or at least they're supposed to be. Um, look, I've got to come clean here. Uh, I've been married now for 30 years, and uh, there aren't that many surprises between my wife and I in the present department these days. At the beginning of December, I say to Caroline, can you give me a hint of the sort of thing you'd like for Christmas? And uh, next thing I know, she sends me a text with a link to the specific items she wants, the shops I can find them in, and a reminder of her size. Um, <laughs> last year, I decided to go one better. I went out shopping, came home, handed her a bag, and said, I'd quite like this for Christmas, please. <laughs> Now, look, don't knock it. It takes all the stress out of buying presents. My point is simple. Presents are not always the surprises that we would love them to be. But when they are, I mean, when you have no idea what's inside, isn't it brilliant? You, you, you shake it and, and, and squeeze it and then unwrap it and discover it's just what you always wanted. I love Christmas for the surprises. And so today, in the true spirit of Christmas, allow me to show you what I think are some of the Really big surprises right at the heart of Christmas. Listen again to the announcement that we heard earlier. As William has been explaining, um, this um, 
Luke's gospel is an eyewitness account of Jesus' life, and Luke begins by speaking of his birth. And uh, we had some of those, uh, those words read for us earlier. And again, whether you want to look on the sheet or open to page eight, um, you might follow along with me. Listen again to the announcement we heard. It's in line 10, page eight, chapter two of Luke, down towards the bottom, line 10. And do you remember this reading? The angel said to the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now there's the first surprise, a baby in a manger, a, a newborn lying in an animal feeding trough. I mean, if we hadn't heard it so often before, we really would stop and think about it. I mean, it would be no surprise if the announcement had been that you'll find a baby wrapped in a blue M&S baby grow in a hospital maternity ward. There's nothing unusual about that. But this, a baby in a manger. If the local child protection unit had heard about it, they'd be round there like a shot. It's a surprise and it's meant to be. But if that's a surprise, and it is, an even bigger surprise is who the baby is. Uh, do you see, again, look at the announcement to the shepherds, this time line 11, it is that the baby is, do you see it there, Christ the Lord. Christ, the promised king, the Lord, none other than God himself. When we meet this baby, we are in the presence of royalty and divinity. Uh, let me spell it out if I may. The claim is this, the king and creator of the entire universe was born as a baby, God in a baby. Now that's a surprise, but Put it all together and it is mind-blowing. God in a baby in a manger. When the one true living God arrives on the scene, he turns out to be nothing like we'd expect him to be. Now, look, I don't know what you think God is like, or even if you believe in him at all. Thanks very much for coming and being part of this, particularly if you're wondering about whether these things are true. Uh, being a vicar, people often say to me that they don't believe in God. And when they say that, I often say to them, can you describe to me the God you don't believe in? And as they describe the God they don't believe in, I say to them at the end, I'm not surprised you don't believe in that God. I wouldn't follow that God either. The good news of the announcement at Christmas tells us three crucial things about God. And uh, he's not anything like we expect him to be. But first, it tells us that God exists. You see, very simply, Christians believe God exists because he came to visit us here on earth. That's the announcement, God in a baby. And the baby in the manger, of course, grew up and became Jesus of Nazareth and did things to prove that he really was God. He did things that only God could do. Uh, you've heard us say it, that Luke's gospel is an historical account of Jesus' life. And if you take time to read it, you'll read of Jesus making paralyzed people walk, giving blind people their sight, making deaf people to hear, controlling the powerful forces of nature, even raising a dead man from his coffin. Sometimes um, when I tell people about Jesus' miracles, they say to me, ah, the miracles, that's exactly why I can't believe. Well, let me ask you to consider this, if you will. If after the carol service, we're enjoying a mince pie and, a, 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 and some mulled wine and we're having a chat and somebody bowls up up to us and says, I'm God, apart from wanting to get them some help, I think I'd be tempted to say, well, prove it. And then if they didn't do anything extraordinary to back up their claim to be God, we'd know they were a deluded charlatan. Well, the Christmas announcement is, here is God in a baby. And when the baby grew up, well, he did prove it. Jesus did precisely the things we'd expect God to do if he stepped into his world. So first, the announcement of Christmas tells us that God exists. 
Second, it tells us what God is like. And I think that's the point of him being laid in a manger. His humble beginnings tell us about a God who is nothing like we imagine. The king of the universe didn't come and live in a palace. He didn't rule like a harsh boss or or cruel dictator. Look, when I first seriously considered Jesus Christ as an adult, my idea of God was completely turned upside down. I'd always believed God was there, but to my mind, he was a kind of Santa Claus in the sky type of character. You know how the song goes, Santa Claus is coming to town, he's making a list and checking it twice, he's going to find out who's naughty and nice, he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Frankly, I'm amazed that we sing that around children because it's kind of scary, don't you think? He's got his eye on you even when you're sleeping, and if you step out of line, you're not getting the good stuff. Before I thought seriously about Jesus Christ, that was something of my view of God able to see everything I've ever done, and only were willing willing to reward good people. And look, I don't know whether that reflects something of your view of God, if you believe in him at all. But the great surprise is that the one true God is nothing like that. The one who was God in a baby in a manger and then grew up to be Jesus of Nazareth is totally different. He didn't come to keep his eye on us to see if we can cut the mustard and make the grade and pass the exam of life. No, he came to serve us, actually to, to save us. That's, that's the third thing we learn about God in a baby in a manger. Listen again to the announcement, line 11 again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour. He's not come to judge us, but to save us. When I heard this for the first time, I was completely blown away by it, still am. And quite frankly, I was really relieved by it because, well, I know I'm not a good person. And it seems I'm not the only one who knows that. Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, once wrote to the 10 most respectable people he knew living in London at the time. As a prank, he sent them a telegram that simply said, flee, all is revealed. Within 24 hours, six of the 10 had left the country. Now, look, I kind of relate to that because there is stuff in my life that I am deeply ashamed of. Uh, Things that you don't have a clue about, things that go on in my head, things in my past, honestly... If everything I said and thought and did was about to be revealed, I'd get out of town and quick. And here's the thing. The one true God does see everything in my life when I'm awake and when I'm asleep. And if God is like Santa Claus in a song, that is very bad news. Some years back, I heard of a burglar who would carefully watch the habits of those that he was planning to raid before he actually did the job. Over a number of weeks, he observed that one particular family always went out on a Saturday night between 7 and 9 p.m. And so on the Saturday night before Christmas, as he saw the whole family get into their car at 7 7 o'clock, he went round the back of the house, smashed a small window and was in the house in no time. It was dark. He carefully made his way to the living room where he saw the shadowy figure of a Christmas tree and underneath all the presents. He got his bag out and began to put the presents in in the bag. And as he did, he heard a voice. I can see you and so can Jesus. The burglar froze, didn't move a muscle. Everything went quiet. He began again putting the presents in the bag. I can see you and so can Jesus. He thought he'd been found out. So he had his torch. He turned it towards the voice. And as his Uh, torchlight came along it shone on a parrot cage and the parrot said I can see you and so can Jesus 
he was so relieved that his arm began to drop and the torchlight shone below the parrot cage where there was this snarling dog, a Rottweiler, with its teeth showing. And just as the torch went on the dog, the parrot said, Get him, Jesus. (laughs) I can see you and so can Jesus. Jesus does see everything we do. So when I first heard about this God in a baby in a manger coming to save us, I was mightily relieved. Even though he sees exactly what I'm like, he didn't come into the world like a rabid dog to to rip me to shreds. He didn't come to get me at all. No, he came to save us. In your most honest moments, maybe you're just like me. You you know there's stuff maybe only you you and God know about. Things you're ashamed of. Things you've hidden from others, but you know you can't hide them from God. And so the thought that one day you'll come face to face with him, terrifying. But here's the thing, Jesus didn't come to keep his eye on us, to see if we're naughty or nice, to see if we can cut the mustard and pass the exam of life. He came precisely because we don't make the grade. And he came to save us. It's a great surprise. And it is very good news. This is God in a baby in a manger. Line 11 again. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour. As I draw to a close, allow me to explain how he saved us. A few days before Christmas 1991, a young man called Robin Farmer returned to Northern Ireland after his first term at university in Glasgow. Now remember, this was during the Troubles in Northern Ireland. And throughout his Christmas holiday, Robin Farmer, the student, helped out in the family shop in County Tyrone. And one day, just before Christmas, a terrorist gunman burst in and aimed a gun at his father, who was a police reservist. Robin, the son, the university student, instinctively dived in front of his father and took the bullet instead of his dad and then died shortly afterwards. Now, that courageous sacrifice is just a little picture, a tiny picture of what Jesus did for you and me when he died on a cross Just a picture of how he saved us. To this day, Robin's father can say, my son died to save me. And in the same way, we can say, God's son died to save me. Because as he died on the cross, it's as if Jesus took the bullet. He took the punishment that we deserve for the lives we've lived. This is the one true living God, a God who humbly gives himself for us. That's why he was laid in a manger, to show us the kind of God he is. Even though he is a king, he wasn't born in a palace. Even though he has absolute power, he didn't lord it over us. Even though we should serve him, he came to serve us by dying for us. Because he loves us. God in a baby in a manger. That is the surprise at the very heart of Christmas. And, well, it's what the angels said. It is... Good news of great joy. But like all Christmas presents, if we're going to enjoy it, we have to take it for ourselves. Well, look, my time has gone. Thanks very much for listening. Let me say once again a very happy Christmas to you.